Good evening, everybody. It is 7 o'clock uh, Eastern Standard Time. My name is Andre, and of course, you know by now the podcast uh, that I'm speaking with here is BSTL. And of course, what does BSTL stand for? It stands for Building Something That Lasts. So I hope you've been keeping well. Of course, we know the weather is beginning to change, and again, I'm happy with it. It's milder. It's a lot of the things that I love. Uh, I like uh, I like it when the environment is just kind of balanced in that kind of way. Uh, but anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about today. We've got another another great topic that we want to jump right into. And I've called this one uh, Rejection is Recalibration. And so I, I know that you all know that I'm I'm a pastor as well. And, uh, you know, I love the, the, the Bible. I love the stories. I love scripture. You know, I like I love all things. Uh, Bible, and I hope you don't judge me for that. And even if you do, that's okay. I'm just going to pray for you. Um, but anyways, one of uh, my favorite stories um, in Scripture, um, the story of Joseph. Right, like to me, uh, his story is really riveting. It's one of those stories that, as many times as I've read it over and over, I just can't seem to put it down. And uh, you know, the more that I I read about his life, I I, I realize that. If you're going to make like a tremendous difference anywhere, at times it comes with tremendous opposition. Uh, it comes with a lot of loneliness. Um, it comes with rejection, of course, which is what we're going to talk about uh, today. And of course, it also comes with uh, recalibration. So let me jump right into this thing, and we're we're going to see where we go with this one, right? And and really, where I want to start um, with this conversation. It happens in chapter 37 of Genesis. And I know that not everybody that listens to these podcasts, um, they believe in the Bible. I'm okay with that. I believe in it. Um, and for those that may not, that's okay. But maybe you can at least um, hear me out from a story perspective, right? I mean, we've all read fictional novels before at some point um, in our educational journey. So, I mean, at least hear the story out if you don't mind. And so really where I want to pick up from is in chapter 37, um, when Joseph's brothers are away from him, okay? And um, while they are away from him, they are taking care of uh, some of his flock um, at a place near to um, Shechem, right? And at some point in this journey <clears throat> of separation, uh, Joseph is still, you know, kind of lingering behind with his dad. Uh, you know, he's a little baby boy in, in that sense. And then his brothers, they are now out and, and taking care of uh, their father's flock. And the reason why this has great significance um, as we start the conversation today is because, you know, as leaders, we don't necessarily always like how the story unfolds. Like, I think that um, for most of us, we, we wish that it was packaged nicely, packaged nicely with a bow on it, um, nice perfume, great backdrop, you know, all of that other stuff. Um, but some of these stories, whether biblical or otherwise, um, true stories, um, they are a reminder that sometimes as leaders... Um, it's it's the innocence of the stories that actually create the tension and the trauma and the drama that um, ultimately forces you away from where you are comfortable 
And it places you now in a space where you have no choice but to survive and thrive there. And the reason why I say this is, you know, something as innocent as, you know, Joseph's father um, sending him to go and check in on his brothers. It, it may sound a little bit innocent, um, but if you really begin to unpack it and look at it for what it is, you realize uh, that by being sent by his father, um, Joseph being sent by his father to go check in on his brothers, it's an indicator that he is now beginning to transition um, from being one of the brothers to becoming the brother. And, you know, um, you, you know, we often hear about it when we, we think about um, African-American um, Caribbean culture, you know, like this idea. And, and I, I don't think those are the only two places, but as a person of color, uh, it's my reference point, right? So what happens is that, you know, you have this um, uh, idea of grandeur that somehow you will be with um, your brothers, your sisters, your your village, your community for the rest of your life. You know, like you grew up with these individuals and you played marbles with one another. You played basketball. You hung out at the mall together. And as you've been growing, you have this desire because um, every leader, every person has a sense of community and a desire to be around people that they are familiar with. But um, there are defining moments, and sometimes those defining moments happen uh, in moments of innocence. Like, I, I don't believe that Joseph's father, um, Israel, I, I, I don't believe that he knows that by sending his son to go and check in on them, uh, to make sure that they are okay and make sure that all is well, that that would have been the catalyst to this thing that I believe is bubbling over and bubbling in them um, for a long time. Like, I mean, he's the guy that's got the special coat, right? I mean, it's it's a, a coat of favor. It, it distinguishes him um, from being different, right? I, I would imagine that even though they, they know that their father is not perfect, I promise you, um, Jacob Israel is not perfect, um, but really this thing that they're wrestling with. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're not talking about him um, while they are away. You know, like, why are we here and why is he still over there? Like, I would imagine all of this stuff is happening because by the time he arrives to where they are to engage them and make sure that they're okay, they're already at 100. Um, they're already annoyed. They're already upset. They're, they're already in a place where, you know, rather than seeing him as being one of them, they've got to, like, get rid of this guy. And, um, you know, the, the, the challenge is, and I hope you can hear me on this one. Remember, this is a story. It's a real story for those of us that believe in the Bible, um, but it's just a story to others that do not. I, I want you to consider for a moment that that one defining moment where Joseph has to go and check in on his brothers to which they are older than he is, that is a turning point in his life. And, you know, it would be nice to say that the turning point was like a graduation ceremony where, you know, um, he has graduated now uh, summa cum laude and all the different titles. He has given the class their address and so on and so forth. Like when we think about transitioning, uh, and a lot of times kids, uh, young people, children, as they're growing up, they can't wait for that high school graduation so that they can finally have their own voice and uh, do whatever it is that they would like to do. You know, the reality is 
Joseph's graduation is not on a podium. It doesn't happen with people clapping and celebrating. Like when he goes uh, to see his brothers, rather than being happy to see him, they're not happy because it is yet again another reminder that he is from them and of them, but he's different than they are. And that's okay, right? Because maybe for a leader that's listening to this, you have been waiting for a long time to do something that you should have done a long time ago. Um, But the reality is, is that this calling that God has on your life, you have yet to put it into play because you are measuring more of what the losses will be versus what the corporate gain will be. And the reason why I say this is because, of course, I'm jumping ahead um, a little bit because we know what Joseph will become, right? And we're not going to talk about all of that today. Um, in this podcast. We'll talk about it again in the future. Um, But we know that Joseph, through this experience of being alienated and, and forced into the pit, this is the thing that creates the trajectory. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because um, we often, and, you know, sermons, right? I'm always around sermons. Um, We often talk about this idea from the pit to the palace, um, I, I don't know, the, the older I get um, and the more I read the Word of God for myself, I don't know that it's about going from the pit to the palace. Um, I would say that it's more about the pit to the protection, right? Because again, in the Western world, we like um, the podium, right? We, we really do like to be able to say, you know, we knew so-and-so when they were down and out and look at them now, they've got a great job and they've got whatever. But what people don't always get is that the individuals who are in the corner office, and, and it is a privilege, but it comes with a lot of responsibility. Those individuals, if you hear their stories, right? And there are a lot of stories out there. You could just Google, you know, leaders who have been rejected, and I'm sure that there would be, uh, you know, at least a hundred uh, different stories of people who have um, had serious trauma and drama in their in their backdrop, and they have become very successful people. And you know, even though they're in the corner office, um, they don't they don't love it there. Like, I mean, it's part of why they are born. It's part of what they have to do. It's part of what they're. Um, responsibility will be, but the, the the palace isn't, you know, the place that you're like, ah, I'm now in the palace. Because, you know, like when you do get to the palace, um, when you do get to that corner office, the reality is somebody's always coming for you. And I also do understand as well that not only are people gunning for your job, your responsibility, whatever it is that you may do, they're also trying to figure out and scheme and lie and probably trying to find a way to push you out because they believe that they can do what it is that you are doing or what it is that you have done. And yet there there are no markers um, that, that demonstrate that they have the capacity to do their work. And so I would imagine for the Josephs that are out there, it must be difficult to have experienced a tremendous amount of um, prosperity, um, notoriety, um, definitely it affords you a certain quality of lifestyle, and yet you are completely disconnected from those that you share the palace with. Like, remember, when Joseph gets um, sold and brought to Egypt, it's not like he's brought one of his brothers with him. Certainly his father is not with him on this journey. And so he has to grow up quickly, um, move up the ranks, because he's got a calling on his life. 
and I'm still talking about leadership because I, I, I'm learning more about how God operates, even though I don't fully understand how he does everything that he does, because I think that if I were God, I wouldn't do Joseph's story that way. It, it's it's too much pain. Like, imagine being in a space where you are leading and growing and you have had a tremendous um, adversity thrown your way and there's nobody from your family that's there. Like, you know, like people are constantly graduating and we know that there are times where you have international students that come from different continents uh, and they come over to this Western world and they go to these schools and they work hard and uh, they have to work all night, you know, working in the cafeteria, doing janitorial work, um, work. And then they have to go to class first thing in the morning. They've only had, you know, two hours of sleep and an apple for breakfast. And they've somehow figured it out and they've been able to make it. But it hasn't been easy. And here's the thing. At the end of all of this adversity, um, the challenges, the isolation, the the loneliness, here it is. It's graduation Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever your graduation day is. And as you are walking across the stage, there's nobody in the crowd to actually see you graduate. And remember, it's only recently that because of social media and the um, access to cameras and all this Wi-Fi stuff, that somebody in the crowd could literally just, you know, do a Facebook Live or an Instagram Live. And now you can play that thing. And because, you know, your family and friends that are at home huddled around the TV or the laptop or the cell phone, they're now able to watch the graduation, but from a distance. And and the thing is, is that... Um, Joseph has literally had to grow up alone. And, you know, um, the more I live is the more I realize that you have to be able to embrace loneliness. And when I say loneliness, we're never alone, right? Because God is everywhere all the time. What I mean when I talk about loneliness, I'm talking about this um, idea of the village, um, the community, your supporters. There are some leaders that will never have that type of network around them um, because the network that should be for them has let them down. And the reason why they've let them down is because, you know, this thing that we call ego, you know, the id, the ego, the super ego, you know, these psychological terms, right? Um, they are huge and they are real um, to the point where, you know, Joseph and his, his, his brothers, they have the same father, they have the same blood, running through their vein, but they can see that there is this major uh, difference between them and him. And it doesn't mean that they're not great, you know, and, and that's the other part of this idea of, of becoming a leader. Um, we have such a substandard um, idea or ideology of what it means to lead and lead well. When we think about leading, we think about the president of the United States, you know, the office. Um, we think about Microsoft. We think about Bill Gates, you know. We think about people who have these inventions and, you know, those are great leaders. Uh, I'm coming to a place where I, I think that maybe we have to broaden the scope of how we see leadership. And when I say that, I'm, I'm talking not so much about the office that you occupy, but what do you do with this space that God has entrusted you with uh, despite the pain that you've had to go through in order to get it? 
Okay, so let me maybe come back to um, Joseph, right? So you do realize that this Joseph guy who has been betrayed um, by his his brothers, um, left for dead, um, he is brought into Egypt um, without any village or community or support network. But, you know, the Bible says that the, the Lord was with him. And as he is on his own, he continues to thrive and he continues to, to, to grow. And the reality is, is that this rejection that he um, experiences from his brothers, as well as um, while he's in this pit, it's the thing that allows him to become focused, razor um, sharp focused at the time of the famine in Egypt. And let me explain this. And we're still talking about leadership. Like you, you have to understand that when you are given a great responsibility and you are accountable for protecting and preserving um, the very people that um, may not even love you, because we know that, uh, you know, Joseph never gets to sit at the table with the Egyptians. So even though he's up there, you know, on the food chain, he's still, you know, he's still Hebrew. Um, he has to be able to do his job as second in command and still get over his feelings simultaneously. Like to me, that's a lot. I, I talk to leaders all the time. And here's one of the frustration um, that a lot of leaders have or experience. Um, the challenge of how do you serve people who can't stand you? <laughs> that's hard. And, and I talk with leaders all the time because this is the thing, um, you know, some of the people that leaders have to lead and, and, and cover and shelter and protect, these are the, 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 the people that if they had an opportunity, they would slit your throat. And of course, I'm talking about it as a metaphor. Um, they would throw you in another pit. And yet, um, Joseph, if you can survive being betrayed um, by individuals that would have been potty trained the same kind of way, eaten out of the same pot... Um, you know, all of that stuff that goes along with having a brother, maybe, and or a sister. If you can survive that and still move upward um, as God has his hand around you, then it really does prepare you, not necessarily for the palace, but for the protection that later on in his life, he now has to give to his brothers, and here's the thing, and you know, again, we're still talking about this idea of rejection and recalibration. Um, as leaders, when you are rejected, it is usually a sign that you have outgrown where you are right now, right? And let me explain to you why. Like, if you are not about to do something incredible, something big, something that has never happened before, then there's no reason for your brothers to reject you. And the rejection that um, Joseph has from his brothers is a reminder that he has outgrown them. So let me qualify this. Um, because when I say outgrown, I'm not talking about being arrogant. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, you know, you're the only one with the Jordans on while everybody else is wearing the knockoffs um, from, you know, the dollar store. That's not what I'm talking about. When I say outgrow, I'm saying that his family and the structure and the unit that he comes from, they can't go any further with him. So while it might be a big deal for Joseph's brothers to be tending to their, their father's um, flock, um, it, it, you know, culturally, it's a reminder that you have 
um, been entrusted by your father to be able to do something. Like, it's not just, well, you know, you're, you're minding sheep. No, it's an indicator. I trust you with that. And the father was able to entrust them with that. But God had a bigger plan and a better plan for their lives. So while Joseph may not have been entrusted with the flock, you know, Joseph is entrusted with people and their lives. I mean, think about it. In the time of famine and, and shortage and loss and all of these different things where the economy is upside down, think about the fact that this guy who had this special, special coat um, that caused him to be rejected by those who really know him, that special coat, once peeled off from him, gives him a greater responsibility to do something, to preserve an entire economy that would have been thriving and doing well. And I don't even know, like, I mean, of course, we know that he would have some education when he arrives, but it's also an indicator that he has the capacity to shift and leave what is left behind and embrace the moment, the present moment. And I think that that's the thing that, um, as leaders, we have to be careful. Um, you know, recently I was um, having a conversation with somebody and they were um, so fixated on the past. And I was thinking to myself, wow, this person sounds like they're stuck. Like, why are you so fixated on the way things used to be and what, you know, things used to look like before? What about now? And in order for God to entrust um, people with great responsibility, they have to be able to move from the past and embrace the future and have the courage, I mean, embrace the, the present tense and, and, and embrace what is to come in the future. Because the future is not defined by the past because the current um, reality is something that you've never experienced before. Now, that, that to me is exciting um, because as leaders, we keep thinking it's once you go to MIT and Harvard and Princeton, you know, the, the paperwork um, that you now have in this, uh, this uh, frame that you have, you know, in the background so that when you do, <laughs> when you do your, your, your um, Zoom Live, people can see where you've graduated. The graduation is not the indicator that you are now ready um, to begin this journey. No, um, this, this document that proves that you're able to finish something is also the actualization that you are here because you should be here. And I think too many leaders, they are struggling because the document isn't the thing that validates your existence. It's the journey from the past to the present, and the hope um, for the future. So yeah, Joseph, he has, he really has outgrown um, his brothers, not because he's better than they are, but he's outgrown them in the context to which they will continue to live in until they are also, by extension, impacted by what's happening in the marketplace, the famine around them. And so Joseph, like, look, if you are a Joseph, and not everybody's a Joseph, right? There, there's like only one Joseph in every lifetime, just as there's one Moses in every lifetime. There's one David in every lifetime. There's one Jesus in, you know, every lifetime. You, you don't find that this type of unique leadership comes around often 
because there's so much that goes into it. There's so much loss and pain and adversity. Like you can't have an entire nation of Joseph's because there would just be too much bitterness, right? Like when you think about Joseph's life, how many people could honestly say, Joseph, I understand what you're, you, what you're, you're, what, where you've come from. I understand what you've been through. I understand what you're going through. Very few people would understand that because, yeah, Joseph was not the only slave. But he was the only slave that made it, at that point in history, to being second in command. And so maybe that's also the other part. And I, <clears throat> I didn't think that we, we would get this far in our conversation. Maybe that's the point. Um, as we talk about rejection and recalibration, maybe it's okay as leaders to have experiences and, and to go through certain things that no one else can really understand. Maybe that's okay because people want to understand how you made it to the palace but very few people want to know the pain that comes with the palace. And so maybe what I'm saying today is, is that as we think about biblical leadership today, right? Because we talk about all kinds of leadership. But today we're talking about bib biblical leadership. And we're not just talking about the leadership of Joseph. We're also talking about the leadership of God. Because Joseph had the right experience to bring him in a place where he could still remain razor sharp focused, not knowing that his rejection as he outgrows his brother or his brothers is the exact same thing that would position him later on to meet with them again and re-engage with them again because the time in between was necessary for him to literally prepare a new place for them at that time of lack in their own personal lives. And so maybe this is where I want to end the um, conversation um, because it's not just about the pit to the palace to the preservation. It's also the capacity to forgive. And I think that's one of the things that is most notable um, and um, I admire about Joseph is that despite what he has gone through, and yes, I know some scholars and some people as they read it, they'll say, well, you know, Joseph is a little bit of a show-off. And, you know, the reason why that happened to him is because he's too boastful. Fine. Even if that's the position that you take, it doesn't change what his, his experience is. But out of his experience, he would have had every right um, to be upset, um, angry, um, stuck and stubborn, all of the above. Um, but when we see his story, I don't get the sense that he's not able to forgive. And I think the great leaders that are making tremendous strides to change the world based on the calling that God has on their lives, they have the capacity to forgive. And forgiving doesn't mean that you forget. And the forgiving doesn't mean that you restore people um, back to the exact same position in your life. No, because some people, when you forgive them, if they haven't changed, I'm still talking about leadership, right? Those of us that lead people, you can forgive them, but it doesn't mean that they get to sit right there again. And it doesn't mean that they are discarded also, but it just means that you are aware of what their capacity is. But for the sake of the preservation 
of your brother and or your sister, <clears throat> you're able to let some of those things go because what sense does it make to go from the pit to the palace and then lead, quote unquote, your subordinates in the same way that they would have treated you? So it's a work of heart. It's a work of character. It's a work of all kinds of things. And I think that the only reason why Joseph is able to do this thing well is because the Lord was with him. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. I could talk about Joseph forever because in my mind's eye, this is a guy that he gets it. He understands that despite what my losses are, the gains are much more tremendous because as a result of him going ahead of his brothers, God used that to preserve the nation of Israel. Huh. Tremendous story. God, to me, ultimate leader, hands down, because the way that he finds people um, that fit into the overall story that he has been painting historically of how he redeems us, I don't think it gets any better than this story. Lots of pain. Yes, the pit. Yes, the palace. But God used this guy to preserve an entire nation, but he had to grow alone before he was reintroduced to his village. Keep that in mind. Those of you that are afraid to let go and move forward, maybe if you stay too long, you may miss the station when the, when the train pulls in. And that ultimately may cost a greater loss. Until next time, you know my name, it's Andre. And if you haven't liked or shared or subscribed uh, to our, um, our, our podcast, please do so. Uh, so that every time we put one of these up, um, you'll be able to join us. And not only that, if you'd like me to talk a little bit more about this, um, email me at bstlinc21 at gmail.com so that I can make sure that I share the rest of the story with you as a leader or with your organization. Take care. Until next time, God bless.